0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two Footed Podcast is brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now. Use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable, hosted by Kevin DeVries, on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast. Today is Thursday the 18th of May. Hope you're all well. Decent weather outside today. Happy days. The Champions League final is set. It will be Manchester City versus Inter Milan in Istanbul. Congrats to City. 4-0 winners last night over Real Madrid and frankly a completely dominant performance. One of the best performances of the Pep Guardiola era without question from start to finish they were by far the better team and before Bernardo Silva put them one up on 23 minutes they could have already been 2-0 up Erling Haaland missed two really good chances one is a poor header that hits Courtois the other is a good header and Courtois makes an absolutely incredible save uh, but Bernardo Silva opens the scoring on 23 minutes, slipped in by De Bruyne. It's a vicious shot, whipped near post, gives the goalkeeper no chance. Silva doubled the scoreline on 37 minutes. Ilkay Gundogan broke into the crease, had a shot. Good save once again by Courtois. Comes out to Bernardo and without breaking stride, he just cushions a header into the top corner. Absolutely outstanding. I mean, just the presence of mind to cushion that header with the perfect amount of loop as he runs on to it full peg. Really, really impressive. Real almost got back into it. Tony Cruz almost broke the crossbar with a long-range shot. David Alba had a long-range shot that Ederson made a good save from a free kick. But on 76 minutes, City went three up, and it was deserving. Like, it was reflective of what game we had seen. I'm not sure who the goal is going to be credited to. It's a free kick from the left side, comes across. Akanji gets a flick to it, but it hits Edder Militao, and that's what takes it by the goalkeeper and in. Now, Akanji's flick, if it was on target, probably means it's his goal, but. In truth, it really is an own goal. And on 91 minutes, Julian Alvarez wrapped it up. Phil Foden split the defence with a lovely slide drill pass. Alvarez ran onto it and finished very comfortably. Um, so Manchester City spanking Real Madrid. Now, a couple of things I wanted to talk about here. Let's talk about Real first, because obviously I said until they were out, I would pick them to win. And it's not that I thought they were a better team than City. They clearly... We're not a better team than City. I mean, they've been run away from in La Liga by Barcelona, who are nothing really special this season. It's more just the experience, the winning, the nature, the culture, the aura of Real Madrid. But I have to say, once I saw the teams last night, I I knew City were going to win because this was far too attacking to go to the Etihad with this was this was really poor by Carlo, and I don't understand the changes that he made, and I don't understand the decisions that he made. He lined up with Courtois, Carvial, Militao, Alaba, Camavinga, then Valverde, Cruz, and Modric in midfield. Rodrigo, Benzema, and Vinicius up front. Now, for me, second leg away from home. You know you're going to have to play on the counter. I don't understand why Rodrigo's in the team. You've got to put Valverde further forward and bring Camavinga or Chouameni into midfield. Ideally both, with one of Modric or Cruz sitting out. Alaba to left-back, Militao and, Ro- and um, Rudiger was the pairing to go with its centre-back. Carvial, Militao, Rudiger, Alaba. That was the back four to go with here. Then Chouameni, Camavinga, and one of the two playmakers. With Valverde right side but tucking in to give you four in midfield. And then Vinny off Benzema. That was the way to go. That was clear as day. Instead, he picked a more attack-minded team. and. Frankly, Tony Cruz and Luka Modric looked every day of the rage in this game, and it's one of the worst games Luka Modric has had in probably ten years. And the same goes for Cruz. I mean, both of them were just just overrun. Now they've got they've got rebuilding to do. Luckily for them, they've got Kamavinga and Chouameni who can step into midfield. So you could go Valverde, Chouameni, Camavinga as a midfield three, and that would be. That would be sensational. Um, they'll need two new fullbacks, or they could move Alaba back to left back and buy a centre back. I don't really like any of their defenders after Alaba. I do like Militao as a squad defender. Like, I can play him right back, I can play him centre back. I don't know that I'd want him starting for me every game. But Alaba, I love as a left-back, less so as a centre-back, though to his credit, he obviously has done well at centre-back over the last couple of years. But they've got rebuilding to do. Not huge amounts, because they've already got a lot of good players in place. But I think they need to go this summer and they need to buy at least two defenders. At least two defenders. And they're being linked with Alfonso Davies, from Bayern Munich and that would fix the left back issue but you play him left back Alaba left side centre back fair enough they know each other from Bayern as well so there's an existing understanding there but they've got to get a centre back then and they've got to get a right back they really do have to bring in a new right back Danny Carvial is washed he was washed last season Diaz had a stinker in the final And people got the impression that Carvial was was back to something resembling his best. He just isn't. As for Cruz and Modric, I think you keep them, but you, you start to taper down their minutes quite significantly. Benzema is still great, but Benzema last night looked limited because he's not fully fit. And they're going to need to find some way to have a good backup to him that they can actually rely on so that he can play maybe 35 games a season instead of 50. And all of this is to say they seem insistent on buying Jude Bellingham when really and truly Jude Bellingham is not what they need. Now, if they were looking to maybe sell Chouameni or sell Valverde and buy Jude, then fair enough because... Then the expense isn't a hundred plus million. It's you know maybe thirty million when you factor in what they get in for a Valverde or a Choumany. But they've got they've got decent amounts to do this summer, and they've got a decision to make over Carlo as well. Last night was the first night I ever watched a Carlo Ancelotti team, and thought he's had his pants absolutely pulled down his arse hand here. And Carlo's never been a great tactician. That's not his bag at all. But his in-game management is normally excellent. Even if he doesn't always set his team up perfectly, his in-game management is normally great. But you rarely see him completely and utterly just owned by the person in the other dugout. And last night, Guardiola had him, had him for dinner-like. Um, as for City, a couple of standout performers from last night. Rodri was unbelievable. Unbelievably good. Bernardo was great. Having Bernardo, De Bruyne, and Gundogan in the team makes such a difference to them. And they draw so much attention that it gives Grealish a lot of freedom and it gives Grealish always a 1v1. And when he's 1v1 against Danny Carvial, he's going to win that battle all day. It was brave from Pep to go with the 3-2-4-1 shape. Really was brave. But all things considered, I I think... I think City will go on and win this final by a couple of clear goals. No disrespect to Inter Milan, but they're not on this level. They just aren't on this level. So the league is done. The Champions League, they should win this year. And the FA Cup, they should win this year. And that will lead to the treble. That will be the second ever Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup treble. The first obviously being United's 99 team. And I saw a lot of people last night say this is the best. The second, This is the second best team I've ever seen after Guardiola's Barca. This isn't even the best City team they've had under Pep. I'm sorry, it's just not. Like, they're very good. Don't get me wrong. They're very good. This team is not as good as the Centurion team or the team that got 98 points in 2019. That team would beat this team. Liverpool's team from 2018-19, 2019-20 would beat this team. United's three-in-a-row winners would beat this team. Arsenal's Invincibles would beat this team. United's treble winners would beat this team. This is a very good team. And if they win that treble, then they will obviously go down in history. But this team is not as good as those teams. It just isn't. And, you know, that early Pep team had got 100 points and the following year won a domestic treble while getting to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and and going out through their own stupidity. But had they beaten Spurs, as they should have, they would have beaten Ajax. And in the final, them against Liverpool, would have been hard to pick against City, even though Liverpool were great at, at the same time. I just, the the Premier League has been poor this year and the Champions League has been largely poor this year. I mean, you look around Europe, Bayern, not a great team this year. Not a great team this year. Dortmund, not, not great this year, but they have improved. But Bayern have regressed, which has allowed Dortmund to catch them. But it's not that Bayern stayed at the same level and Dortmund fought their way up. Bayern regressed to meet Dortmund. You look at Spain. I mean, Barcelona winning the league in Manchester United slapped them around the place. It's an average United team beat Barca quite comfortably. Atleti aren't a great team this year. Saucyda aren't a particular... They're okay. Like, they're decent. But there's no great team in that league. And Real... I mean, they're just old at this point. There's just a lot a lot of old pieces in that team and there's a lot of inconsistency Rodrigo is wildly inconsistent Militao is inconsistent Carvial, Cruz, Benzema Modric, they're old Rudiger wildly inconsistent there's no great team in Europe this year that's not to diminish what City are doing. Not at all. If they win it, they win it. But let's not pretend this is a vintage Real Madrid team. That they, It is vintage in one way. But it's not a great, great Real Madrid team. It wasn't a great Bayern team that they beat. It's a team that knows how to win with Real. And that's why I thought Real could win. But I mean, when we look talent versus talent, City were always winning that game, weren't they? So, all the praise to City's team, fair play, but this is not the best City team that Guardiola's had, let alone the second best team of the last 20 odd years. Just isn't. It's not even close. Pep's Bayern would have beaten this team, and they didn't win the European Cup. Real's three in a row team would have beaten this City team. Like, this is a, a, a very good City team, it's not a great team. Kyle Walker's past is best. Akanji's average. John Stones is fairly average. Grealish is wildly inconsistent. Ederson's inconsistent. Rodri, Bernardo, De Bruyne, Gundogan, Haaland and Diaz—they're all very, very good, great in some cases. But there's there's a lot of average in that team. Like there's four or five of them there that aren't aren't great players. They're Not even very good players. But what they have is a hell of a bench and a hell of a manager. And, uh, yeah, if he wins his treble, it likely means he's maybe gone after next season. I I think he will have accomplished everything he can do at City. He might want to stay and get the four in a row in the league. Uh, And then I think he'll bounce and go and do something else after a bit of time off. Uh, joining Manchester City in the Premier League next season will be either Luton Town or Coventry City. So Coventry went to Middlesbrough last night and through a Gustavo Hammer goal in the 57th minute came away with a 1-0 win to win 1-0 on aggregate. This is this is the ideal final really. Luton Town versus Coventry City. I couldn't be happier. Uh, congrats to Coventry. They fully deserved it. I thought they were very good last night. Mark Robbins was the manager I said I'd probably go and get if I was, you know, restarting things at Southampton. And then about two hours after I finished recording, Coventry announced that he'd signed a new four year contract. So, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, what a job he's done. And that Coventry team is fun. And what's really impressive to me is how that squad's been put together. Because there's been no money to spend. Coventry's had significant financial difficulties over the last 25 years. Now, they're in a better situation now, but still, they're they're owned by a local businessman. It's not like he's some sort of mega-billionaire. But the Sisu era was just a disaster for them. Uh, well, no, to be fair, it wasn't a disaster for them. It was it was better than some of the other nonsense that had gone on with the club. But I think he's done really well. But it, this is the Mark Robbins story, really. This is a manager who, through tick and thin, has stuck with it, continued to... Make the team better year on year on year, and like let's remember, it's not like a thing where they've just been toiling around in the championship the whole time, and now they've just had one season. Mark Roberts, Mark Robbins, rather took over in two thousand and seventeen. They were a League Two team. He took them up into League One. They spent a year solidifying there. Then he took them up again. This is only their third season in the championship. And he has them now on the brink of the playoffs, of, of promotion. Seventeen, eighteen, the season City went and did 100 points in the Premier League, which doesn't seem that long ago. They were a League Two team. They'd been relegated the previous year, they came straight back up, within two years they're being promoted out of League One and within three years they're in the playoff final in the championship and I said early, early, early at the start of the year keep an eye on Coventry, I think they could be a promotion team, a playoff team even though they had the poor start because they couldn't play a number of games because of the stadium situation. What Mark Robbins has done is is incredible. Absolutely incredible. This is his second stint in the job. This stint will go down in history at that club. Absolutely amazing what he's done. If he takes them from... League 2 to the Premier League in six years. Like, that is absolutely statue-worthy stuff. It absolutely is. Commiserations to Borough. They had a good season once Michael Carrick took over. And I I think they'll be quite exciting to watch next season. If they back Carrick this summer... I I do think they'll potentially come up automatically next year. There's some really good players there, most notably Hayden Hackney, who I think is is a Premier League-caliber player already. But I'd hope he'll give them one more year and try and bring them up. Um, Just on the Coventry team, though, right? So you look at their defence. They play a back three last night. And... You've got Wilson in goal, Ben Wilson, decent keeper. Back three, Luke McNally, he's on loan from Burnley, only arrived in January. You've got um, Kyle McFadden, he's their vice captain, he's been there a little while. And you've got Callum Doyle, who's also in on loan, in from Manchester City. Really, really promising, really promising player. Um, Right wing back is Brooke Norton-Coffee in on loan from Arsenal. Left wing back is uh, Jake Bidwell. Midfield, you've got Hammer, you've got Ben Sheaf, and you've got Liam Kelly, the club captain. Then you've got Jamie Allen, and you've got Victor Giorcarez up front. But they're missing last night, they're missing Callum O'Hare, who's... One of their very best players. He's out with a torn ACL. Really, really good player. But the the guys that are there. That they own. Were brought in for. Absolute peanuts. Gustavo Hammer. Who I'm really excited to see in the Premier League. If they come up. He was brought in for a million quid. Um, Ben Wilson was released by Bradford in 2009 and having been in and out of the team for a couple of years, got his place back and has been really good for them. Uh, Liam Kelly, with respect, one of the ones they'll have to uh, upgrade on when they go up, if they go up, I should say, if they go up, um, he was a free. Kyle McFadden, another one that will have to be upgraded on. He was a free. And Ben Sheaf, former Arsenal uh, Academy player. He was a free. Had him on loan, and then they got him on a free. Then there's Victor Guerrerez, who I still can't believe Brighton let go. Um, I think they paid a million and a half for him. I could be wrong in that, but I think it's a bit a million and a half. So that team last night. Oh, and Jamie Allen was the other one. Jamie Allen was a was was a couple of hundred grand. That team last night cost less than three million to put together. And the bench is similar enough. There's a couple of loan players there. Uh, Jonathan Panzo, he's in on loan from Forest, good good centre back. Uh, Fancata Dabo, Fancati Dabo, I should say. Uh, he costs nothing. He was brought in. From Chelsea, once his contract there expired. Matt Gooden, he's been around quite a while at Coventry. Uh, I think he was a free as well. He's a guy, no, excuse me, he cost 750 grand. He's a guy that has knocked around. He's played non-league for a fair bit of his career. Josh Eccles, he's an academy product. Uh, Simon Moore, I think he was signed on a free, wasn't he? 500. No, for, yeah, he was a free. He joined on a free from Sheffield United. Um, Josh Wilson Ebrand, Esbrand, uh, rather, he's in on loan from City. And Sean McGuire. And Sean Maguire also free. So I mean realistically, you're talking four million four million for the whole matchday squad yesterday? That's that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Free transfers, loans, and just working around the fringes. It, it's incredible what promotion could do for this club. It really is. Like they were in the top flight from 1967 until 2001, they were a top flight team. they dropped into what's now the championship they were there until 2012 Sorry, like 2013 they got relegated then in 2017 they were relegated again and then they've started this climb back up but yeah like they were a they were a top flight team for a long long time over 30 years and they had some some really good players, really really good players over the years that people would have people that were maybe a bit young or a bit younger didn't see those teams that people would have enjoyed. I I I'm torn between wanting Coventry up and wanting Luton up, and, and to be honest, I'll be happy with either. I will be happy with either. Um. Right, we'll move on then. Ivan Tony has been banned from eight for from playing football for eight months uh for his two hundred and thirty two breaches of the FA's betting rules. He was fined five hundred oh, Jesus Christ. He was signed fifty grand and warned about his future conduct. Um I think this is far too harsh, if I'm being honest. I think it's far too harsh. He will not be allowed to play again until the 17th of January, 2024. Now, it's good news for Brentford in a way in that in all likelihood they'll at least get to keep him until next summer. But it's just like, let's be honest. Ivan Tony plays for a team sponsored by a betting firm. Up until the last two years, he played in a tier of football sponsored by a betting firm. His previous club were sponsored by a betting firm. You can't... You can't promote betting and then uh, just be so rigid over what players can and can't do. Like, Tony admitted that this was more than just, you know for fun, this was somewhat of an addiction because this was put there in front of him from a young age. Um, He's owned up to it. He's taken responsibility. He says he won't comment on it until um the independent panel releases their findings. But at 27, to lose eight months of your career, thats that's really tough. Really, really tough. He would have been... I think nailed on for a move to a big club this summer. And maybe, maybe somebody will still decide to bite the bullet and go for him. As I've said, I'd love to see him at Villa with Watkins. I think the two of them together would be just chaos for anybody to try and deal with. Especially with Jacob Ramsey bursting from midfield to get on the end of things. But it's, it seems unlikely that anyone will touch him now on, until probably next summer. Because I don't think you'd want to buy him in January when he's been off for so long. You'd want to see what he looks like when he comes back. But, you know, 232 breaches of betting rules gets him eight months. What does industrial-level cheating over a 10-year period get you? Especially when you factor that it's only a 10-year period because that's when the investigation started the cheating didn't stop the investigation just started um, let's see how how they react and how they act on them Tony is allowed return to training as of the 17th of September which at least means you know he's not completely cast away from the game. He won't be allowed to do pre-season. He won't be allowed to be involved in anything like that, but he can come back on the 17th of September and and do his own pre-season at that point. And I would bet that the Ivan Tony that comes back is an absolute monster. Um, We'll do the gossip. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back with our listeners' questions. So, uh, Arsenal are preparing a club record £92 million offer for Declan Rice. Wow, £92 million for Declan Rice. That is um, quite the overpay. Bayern Munich are also interested in Rice as Thomas Tuchel looks to refresh his midfield. That would be unlikely considering Tuchel turned down the chance to sign him while Chelsea manager. Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta is also considering signing Joao Canseo. But the Gunners fear City will be reluctant to do business with them this summer. They still don't think you're a rival, so they probably will. Um, I doubt I saw people say yesterday, oh, but Canseo and Zinchenko would be horrendous defensively as your fullbacks. I do wonder if he'd play Canseo as the left back and move Zinchenko into Xhaka's position. I think that's more likely that Canseo plays left back and. Zinchenko plays Jacka's role. <clears throat> Chelsea will have talks with Romelu Lukaku after his loan at Inter Milan ends, because obviously he's set now to play in the Champions League final on June the tenth. Paris Saint Germain want Manchester City's Bernardo Silva for seventy million. Manchester United have agreed team uh, agreed terms with. Kim Min-Jay? No, they haven't. Jurgen Klopp offered James Milner a coaching role. Loyal, but not too loyal. Arsenal's 24-year-old Norwegian midfielder Martin Odegaard, whose contract runs out in 2025, is set to sign a new deal. Bayer Leverkusen manager Xabi Alonso says he will still be in charge with Leverkusen next season, despite being linked with the Spurs job. Smart decision. Albert sambi Lokonga could move to Burnley to play under Vincent Kompany, who coached him at Anderlecht. Crystal Palace's 30-year-old Ivory Coast forward, Wilfred Zaha, is considering staying at Selhurst Park. I'd love it if he stayed. Barcelona will make a fresh attempt to sign Martin Zubimendi after Arsenal failed with a £53 million bid in January. I expect Arsenal to go back in for him this summer. I do. I think him and Rice... If they buy two midfielders, I think that's what it'll be. It'll be him and Rice. Uh, Senegal forward Sadio Mane wants to stay at Bayern despite his bust-up with Leroy Sané in fe- in, in April. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann was Chelsea's first choice to replace Graham Potter. I think everybody knows that. Nice, who are owned by British billionaire Jim Radcliffe, have met with Potter to discuss appointing him manager. That could be very interesting. Nantes want former Crystal Palace manager Patrick Vieira if they avoid relegation. Yeah, fair, fair. Barcelona director of football Matteo Alamani is set to stay at the club after changing his mind on a move to Aston Villa. And Russell Martin is one of the candidates to take over at Southampton. We knew that already. Right, we will take a break and when we come back we will have the listeners' questions. So I will see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, it is listeners' questions time. Uh, I've got two here from Alex. Uh, question one is: Ivan Tony still eligible to play the next eight months outside of England? And if he were, where do you think would be a good fit? In theory, he is, but as in past cases, it's most likely that the FA will apply for that ban to be uh, to be worldwide. So, um, no, Ivan Tony's not going to be able to play. Where would be a good fit, though? I mean, a Bayern Munich would be perfect. I think he would be perfect for Bayern Munich. I think he'd score for fun there. Uh, hopefully, a, hopefully a fun challenge. Create an all-time eighteen only from teams you support. Cannot have two teams in the same country. I've heard to talk about Liverpool, Bremen, Genoa, Celtic, and an Irish team. St. Pat's, that's St. Pat's Athletic. Um, feel free to add others if there are right. So, um, Alison Trent. Paul McGrath, Virgil, will go Branca at left-back. Branco. Branca was a striker. Branco. Branko at left-back, a former Middlesbrough legend. Um, midfield will go Gerrard, Dieter Eltz. Gerard, Dieter, Els, Souness, and Barnes. And up front, we'll go. No, hang on. I love Dieter Else, He has to be in my team. But Sooness has to be in the team. Barnes has to be in the team. Gerard has to be in the team. It has to be them. It has to be them. So up front, we'll just go with. We'll play Salah as the nine and we'll play Dog Leash just behind him. And Dog Leash counts for both Celtic and Liverpool. So, yeah, that will be it. Trent, McGrath, Virgil, Branco, Gerard, Els, Sounes, Barnes. I'm leaving out Suarez, though. I love Dieter Else though he's he's the entire reason I I like Bremen, but Bremen like I they also had like Diego was there they had they had Osel who was incredible for them. Bremen have had some some bowlers over the years, um. But Dieter Els is the whole reason that I started following them, um. So I've got to have him in the team. I've just got to put him in the team. So Suarez, yeah. Suarez, Salah, or Kenny? I've got to leave one of them out. (laughs) I've got to leave one of them out. I've got to pick Kenny because I've got to have a Celtic representative there. Salah or Suarez? Do you know what? I'm going to go with Suarez. I'm sorry, Mo. I'm going to go with Suarez. Uh be aware that Salah would be in the team, but I have to put Dieter Else in and contractually obliged. Um, so yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, right, uh, Mikhail Campbell. Do you think it would be wise for Inter to start Milan Skriniar in the final if he's fit, or should Simone and Zagi stick with the defense that got them to the final? I would start Skriniar if, if if he's fit if he's played. A full 90 beforehand. If he hasn't played beforehand, I wouldn't start. I might stick with what they have. Um, what should Inter do in the transfer market this summer to improve their squad? This is a big question because obviously much depends on how much they can spend. And the reports are that Inter need to raise about $60 million from sales before they can actually do much of anything. So, they've got a good goalkeeper. They've got a decent backup. I think he's got another year left. If not, they should extend Handano- Handanovic and just make sure he stays for you know leadership and squad purposes. And they've got uh, Alex Cordaz as well, who's uh, another sort of experienced one. Um, do you know what they should do? One of the things they should do is they should start selling so many of these players that they've got on loan. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. They have 29 players on loan. Nobody needs to have 29 players out on loan. So sell everybody that isn't going to make the grade. Now, there's clearly some of them that they will want to keep, like Esposito and Pinamonti, probably. So, you probably keep them. But most of these players could be sold. Um, Dumfries is solid. So, I think you probably keep him. DeMarco's solid. So, you keep him. So, there's your wing backs. You've got Bastoni. He's great. I'd move on Robin Gosens because he's definitely going to be worth some money. You're going to get a good fee for him. And you've got to replace Schrinier. Uh, Let's have a look. You're probably going to have to work on cheap deals and, you know, maybe do a couple of loans with obligations. Um. you need to replace that middle centre-back role because De Vries has fallen off a cliff and a Serby, I mean, he's well past his best, but still giving it a go. He's on in on loan. But still, I, I, you'd have to be looking to replace him. You would. You'd have to be looking to replace him. Um, Who you're placing with, though, is a question. I mean, Mats Hummels. I know he's not been great for Dortmund the last couple of years, but in Serie A, maybe for a year or two, in that central role, and maybe go and see if Atalanta would do a a loan with an obligation to buy on Scalvini and have Scalvini and Bastoni as the kind of pillars of that defence. Hummels, and then maybe in in a year you can go and try and get a third centre back. But Scalvini is one I would do. He would. He's someone I'd make a priority. Um, I'm trying to think who else would work in that middle role. If Leeds go down, Robin Koch would be a decent fit. Joel Matip would actually be a really good fit in that middle role. Joel Matip, maybe. Maybe you go Scalvini, Matip, Bastoni. You could buy Matip this summer on the cheap. Um, Scalvini would be really good. If you get. Get him on a loan with an obligation to buy, even if it means you overpay for him, do that. The third centre back though is tough. Like it's got to be the right person to sort of organize and play almost not yeah, almost like a sweeper, I suppose. If Roma were willing to do business but I don't think there will be. If Romo were willing to do business, because they're keeping Smalling, and they've got a bunch of decent centre-backs, Roger Ibanez, of course, um, Mancini, of course. Marash Kumbula would, would fit really well in the middle of a back three. I, yeah, If I could get him, Scalvini, Cumbulla and Bastoni, then I have a young defence that I can build on for the long term. And while Cumbulla plays for Albania, he was born in Italy and speaks fluent Italian. So I think having him and Scalvi- him, Scalvini and Bastoni would work really well. I'm still very high on him. I still think he's really good. That's what I would look to do at the back. Those three. Um, obviously, the focus in midfield is to put Barella in the best possible situation for him to to succeed. Uh, I do very much like uh, Christian Aslani, who's in from Empoli. Uh, I, sorry, came in from Empoli. So, yeah, he, he's one I would play in midfield as well. And then, if Brozovic is sticking around, then he's my holding midfielder. So that's my three. Now, I know Chalinoglu plays an important role, but I I just, I'm not a huge fan. Um, So I suppose the question is what do you do up front? You'll still have Laturo and whacking Correa as a backup. And you have Jekyll, who I think should probably be more of a squad player moving forward. Um, They do own a bunch of young strikers. I'm just not sure any of them are ready to step up. Like Esposito is one they're very, very high on. And he's only 20 hugely talented. Eddie Salcedo, another one, very very talented. Martin Satriano, the young Uruguayan, very very talented. If any of them were ready to step up, then I wouldn't do anything more. So I'd probably just look to bring in the two centre backs, and maybe pad around the edges with some with some loans. But you want to move out some of these players. Like De Vries will leave on a free. I'd move out Golson's. I'd keep Gagliardini because he's at least versatile. Um, Raul Bellanova. I I wouldn't. I wouldn't keep him. Well, he's not a bad backup to have, I suppose. Um, a Zerbi you might bring in an a permanent deal as a squad player. Uh, Dambrosia, I'd probably move on. Darmian you keep because he's versatile. Valentin Carboni, very very talented, not quite ready. Maybe look to loan him. Super talented though, really want to keep an eye on. Uh, I wouldn't bring back Lukaku though he has found better form of late. Uh, let Dalbert go, let Gianelli go, and just start to sort out this mess of uh, players out on loan. I would bring Stefano Sensi back into the squad. I think he could be a valuable squad player. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do until you can figure out what the financials are going to be. But if I could get Cambula and Scalvini, say buy Cambula, get Scalvini on a loan with an obligation to buy him next summer, I think that's what I'd do and like like I say you sell just sell a bunch of these players out on loan because clearly like there's four goalkeepers out on loan right now. That's you're not going to have all of them. Like one move you could do maybe is you could sell Andre Onana and look to bring in a younger cheaper goalkeeper like say Verbruggen or Alban Lafont or something like that. Um, Because Onana, I think, would bring in uh, a really good fee. And I've just realized that Andre Onana's actual name is Andre Onana Onana, which is tremendous. Um, So you could look to sell him and bring in a younger keeper, or maybe you feel like one of the goalkeepers you have on loan is good enough to become your first choice. Now, I don't know anything about any of them. To be totally honest, uh, but I'm seeing a few of them on loan. It doesn't look like they've that they've played much on their loan spells. Uh, Radu is decent. I do know him. Uh, I don't know the other three. Although this Stankovic that's been at Volendam seems to be playing very regularly. Um, bunch of defenders, bunch of midfielders. That yeah, I I'd start clearing the decks. You you don't need that many players under contract. And when you're in a financial mess, you probably shouldn't have that many players under contract. Right, AMK 2889, listening to a Dortmund podcast and the below comment was made. I'd like your opinion and how you feel about it. If you agree, the what do you think needs to be done to increase the entertainment level in the league? The quality of football in the Bundesliga is better in the last 10 years than it was in the previous 30 years. But the entertainment in the Bundesliga is as poor in the last 10 years compared to any other time in its history. Um, I don't agree that the quality of football is better. But I do agree that the entertainment is worse. I think the Bundesliga in general is just worse. Like, you go back and look at the 80s, the 90s, and even the 2000s, I think there was, I think there was better teams. There's two two big issues. Number one, the Premier League is too much money. So any time there's a really talented young player that pops up at a, let's just take a club, let's say Augsburg. If a player pops up at Augsburg, he's either going to end up at Bayern Munich or he's going to end up in the Premier League by the age of 21. It's just what's going to happen. And we've seen lots of really promising young German players. Julian Drax was always the one that stands out to me who just don't go on and reach the level that they should reach for one reason or another. Um, I don't know, to be honest, what what the move is in the Bundesliga because Bayern are just too wealthy and too, too powerful. Now, Dortmund have a chance to win the league this year, but they need Bayern to slip up again. And I don't think that will happen, but it could. Um, increase the entertainment level. Play better football. Play better football. To me, the, fo- the quality of football is not better in the last 10 years. I just don't agree with that at all. Like I think Dortmund has been barring the two years under... Well, they would bought two years in this last 10 years under Klopp and two years under Tuchel. But other than that, they had four or five years of being absolute garbage. Um, Leverkusen have been more bad than good. Schalke have been more bad than good. V- Wolfsburg have been more bad than good. Eintracht have been more bad. Like, who is it that's been better other than Bayern? Like, who's been good more than they've been bad other than Bayern? I, I just no, I just don't agree with that at all. Um, Rick M, thoughts on the potential top five picks in the NBA draft? Who do you see going where? I think there's four players that are sort of nailed on to be the top four. So Victor's one. He's going to San Antonio. That's it. That's game over. They're going to be great again, and we're all just going to have to live with it. Uh, The second pick is interesting. It could be either Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. Now, for Charlotte, who already has LaMelo, Brandon Miller probably makes more sense as that kind of scoring wing um, with good defensive potential. But then Scoot doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. He makes actually less sense in Portland than he does in Charlotte because they've already got a small point guard in Dame. Now, if it were me, and this is only if it were me, if I was the Portland Trailblazers, I would go to Dame and say, look, We adore you and everything you've done for this franchise and for this city, but we can't build around you. We have to build for our future. If you would like to pursue a trade, we will fully understand understand and support that. And as long as we get a good price for you, we're happy to facilitate that. But we would rather take a young player and continue to build for our long-term future. Now, if Brandon Miller's gone and I'm Portland, I think I would take a man Thompson over Scoot. If if I was keeping Dame, if Dame said, yeah, I'll stay, then I think I'd take a man Thompson. He's my two, Shaden sharps the three, and I'm bringing Anthony Simons off the bench. If Dame says, okay, fine, trade me, I'll take Scoot then, and I go Scoot 1, Simmons 2, Sharp 3. Or if Charlotte decide that they're just going to take the best player available, which is probably Scoot, then that means Portland can take... um. Can take Brandon Miller. Now, I think La- um, LaMelo and Scoot can work well together as long as LaMelo is willing to play off the ball a bit more. Scoot will play off the ball. We've seen him do some of that in the G League. Um, not this season, obviously, but last season. So I do think, I do think those two could work together. Now, Miller and Portland would be interesting. So then they have Dame at the one you probably go Simons at the 2, Miller at the 3, and Sharp becomes the 6th man, for the short term anyway. Or you could go Sharp at the 3, Miller at the 4, but you'd be a bit undersized. But in the modern NBA, that's generally okay. And maybe you play Jeremy Grant as a small ball 5. Now, ideally, I think you go Miller 3, Grant 4. The issue I have with... Portland is I just I just don't know that I'd want to keep use of Nurkic around I just don't think he's much good anymore But anyway if if Dame is set to stay and Miller's gone I think I'd take Thompson because I think he could play with Dame don't think Scoot could which would push Scoot in theory to Houston, which I think the Rockets fans would be thrilled at. But I think they end up with a man, Thompson. My guess is it goes Wemby 1, Scoot 2, Miller 3, Thompson 4. And then 5, I don't know. It could be the other Thompson twin. Could be Taylor Hendricks. I'm not really sure who goes 5. I don't think there's a clear 5th pick in this draft. I think there's 4... Because I do think Amanda Thompson's really, really good. If he develops a jump shot, he could be a superstar in the league. But I don't know who fifth is. I don't know who I would go with as the fifth best player in this this draft class. Now, admittedly, I haven't really started to dig in too deep because the, the Wolves don't have a pick, so I'm not all that arsed about it. But here's a little wrinkle for you. It's come out that... Portland want to build around Dane and that they're going to make the number three pick available this summer now I'm very much in favour of the Wolves trading Carl anthony Towns because I've just had enough he's a very talented player the Wolves aren't going to win with Towns and Gobert is pretty much a sunk cost so I think you've got to trade Towns to start to make things happen. So what I'm suggesting is Towns, for the number three pick, Shade and Sharp, and whatever collection of contracts you need to put together to make it work. Now, they don't have a whole lot of contracts because they've got a lot of guys out of contract this summer. But if I'm the Wolves, I'm going to start exploring that deal at least to get Towns to Portland to pair with Dame and and, and leave Simons there as well. So they have, you know, they have three. Grant is a free agent. I assume they bring him back. So, and I think Jeremiah, Jeremiah Grant next to Towns would be great. And then if they bring back, let's say Matisse Tybel. so the their starting five is Dame, Simon's Tybel, Grant, and Cat. It's going to be pretty crap defensively. It's going to be monstrous offensively. And the Wolves would end up with Edwards, Sharp the number three pick, which potentially could be Scoot or it could be Brandon Miller. And either way, I'm going to be happy. Scoot would be better because the Wolves could use a point guard and Scoot next to Edwards, I think, would be just incredible. And then Sharp at the three, um, McDaniels at the four, Rudy at the five. But if I'm the Wolves, I'm starting to make calls on that, honestly. I'm starting to make calls on that. Get towns to Portland, get that pick, get sharp. You'll probably have to get a third team involved because Yusuf Nurkic is the kind of the matching salary that you're going to need to throw in. Now you might the Wolves might have to take back someone like Nazir Little as well, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with. Um because I think he's it he could be a useful player, but yeah, if I'm the Wolves, I'm I'm calling Portland and saying, "Look, let's make a deal happen. You can have Towns. We want three and sharp. And there's gonna Wolves are getting some picks here, as some other picks here as well. Like I think Towns brings a decent hold, but that's where we start. Sharp three, maybe another first, and then whatever salary we have to put in to make it work, and then we. Reroute that salary somewhere else. Maybe the Spurs, who've got all the cap room, would take on Yusuf Nurkic for a bunch of seconds and maybe you'd take on someone that they have that they don't want. But yeah, anyway, that's what I would do. Uh, da, 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 Eddie Gibbs, you seem convinced that A. Convinced on AA scouted that Jordan Henderson won't be a regular starter for Liverpool next season. Is there any evidence from Klopp's selection history that indicate this will be the case. Yeah, if you take a look at when he was at Borussia Dortmund, when he he played the likes of Sebastian Kiel far too long, but when they became a complete liability, he played them less and less, and then towards the end he didn't really play them at all. Um, Henderson is now at the complete liability point. He is playing less this season. All you need to do is look at the minutes that he's playing, and... Uh, Yeah, I I think it's fairly clear. It's also going to be a struggle if he's convincing new players to come to the club and um, say Mason Mount joins. Well, that's the the position he's going to play is Jordan Henderson's position. You can also look at Klopp's history at Liverpool and it's very clear he's tried to replace Henderson multiple times, but injuries have scuppered that. Ox was bought to replace him then Emery started getting hurt. Emery left. Then Fabinho came in. Nabi Keita came in. Ox, Naby Keita, Fabinho. Ox, Fabinho, Keita was the midfield three he wanted. But Ox got injured. So he tried to buy Nabil Fakir. If Nabil Fakir had arrived. It was a move to four two three one. Fabinho and Keita were the double pivot. So he's tried multiple times to replace him. Klopp speaks a lot in superlatives and frankly, bullshit. I I think you always look at what the fella does and not necessarily what he says. Um, Matt JT, you mentioned on the Daily Red the other day that Bobby was an LFC legend. Who are some players in the same bracket as him with legendary status, but maybe not an all-time great? Has there been any... Has there been other historic players as important to the team eras as Bobby has been to Klopp and the system style? I would say Jimmy Case goes into this um, Terry McDermott, their energy and drive from midfield was vital to Liverpool for years uh, in title-winning teams and European Cup-winning teams. So I'd say they go into that legendary status, but not all-time great. I'd say Phil Thompson is more legendary status than all-time great as well. I don't think he'd go in the same calibre of defender as the likes of Emlyn Hughes, Tommy Smith, Chrissy Lawler, Phil Neal. Uh although Phil Neal, yeah, no, Phil Neal won four European Cups, that's an all-timer. Um, you know, Hansen, Virgil, I think I think they're all um they're all players that go down as legends but not all timers. I think Ronnie Whelan could be down as a legend but not necessarily an all timer. And he was vital, his ability to just run a game from midfield. Um Ray Kennedy is that playmaking wide player, but not necessarily an old timer, but certainly a club legend? Yeah, I think there's. I think there's been a few. I think there's been a few. Uh, Isaac Gilding. All of these players have been slated for a move or to leave in a free. Where should they move this summer? Uh right. Well, we'll just assume that these players are all leaving their clubs. So, Tony Cruz. Uh, we'll start with him. I would say. I would say he should actually go back to Bayern because since losing Thiago, they've lacked that conductor in midfield. So, Cruz to Bayern. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan, I, I really like the idea of a Barcelona. I do. I think that would be a very good move. Uh, Asensio, someone mentioned Aston Villa and I quite like the idea of it in that role that John McGinn has been playing. If you can get him back to anywhere close to his best, he's he's an outrageous talent. Uh, Kieran Tierney, Newcastle, definitely. It's it's the ideal move for him. They need a left back. They play an aggressive brand of football that he's used to from his time at Celtic. Uh, not that he played under Howe, obviously, but they played an aggressive brand of football for quite a while while he was there. And it's closer to home. Um, although he is from the Isle of Man, so I don't know if that's really the truth, that it's closer to home. Um, Elneny. Elneny. I like Elneny, but I don't really know where I'd put him. I don't know that he's a Premier League calibre player. I think he's probably a championship calibre player. Do you know where I'd put him? I'd put him at one of the relegation clubs. So either Southampton, potentially Leicester, potentially Leeds, potentially Forest, potentially Everton. Because I do think he's a really strong dressing room presence. And I think he'd be the type that could kind of... Band people together. Uh, Emil Smith Rowe. If Eze leaves Palace, then Palace. If Brennan Johnson were to leave Forest, then Forest, because him and Gibbs White behind the striker would be fantastic. Um, I'd li- I'd like to see it at Villa. I'd like to see him and Jacob Ramsey kind of either side of a midfield four. Uh, kind of a boxy midfield that Emery plays I think that would be a lot of fun. David De Gea Villarreal maybe? Yeah, Villarreal maybe. Maybe Sevilla. Is he good is he better than Bono? Probably is a little bit better than Bono. Villarreal, let's say Villarreal. Victor Lindelof Um. Victor Lindelof would be a good fit. He could go back to Portugal, be good at Benfica. Better than Ottomendi. Um Spain, maybe. Lazio, yeah. Victor Lindelof at Lazio. Marcel Sabitzer. I think he. Sh- I think United should keep him. I do. I think United should keep him. Adrian. um, Rail Bethes as a backup, maybe? Costas Simicus. Hmm. Atalanta. I think he'd be fun in their system. Atalanta. Nabi Keita. Borussia Dortmund? Marseille? Marseille. We'll say Marseille. Uh, Alex Oxley Chamberlain? It's tough. If they weren't getting relegated, I would have said Southampton. Back where it all started for him. I don't know if he'd go to Bournemouth. But I could see him doing okay at Bournemouth, in the shape that they play. As one of the kind of two behind, I think Ox would play quite well there. So I'll say Bournemouth. Uh, Joe Matip into Milan. Uh, Hugo Lloris. I mean, maybe this is the summer that Lopez leaves Leon. So Leon. Uh, Ivan Perisic. Back to Syria. Maybe. Maybe Fiorentina. Could be fun at Fiorentina. And Lucas Moura back to Sao Paulo in Brazil. Yeah, that would be it. Right, folks. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you, as always. And I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.